At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. We are live here on Birds 365. A good Wednesday, Eagle fan. Be the smiling face of Jeff Kerr. He's in for John McMullen. Oh, you see Johnny Mac. Now, that's just a stock photo. He's not actually with us live, but he's with us live on the phone, which means he's going to start the show with us today. John McMullen, how many uh, Miles Sanders texts or tweets have you gotten in the last 24 hours? Not as many. I, I think, you know, people are starting to realize I was right, uh, you know, after saying that, you know, which they often do. Let's be honest. You know. <laughs> I'll start off on a good note. Yeah, the whole Miles Sanders thing should shake out today. Uh, Nick Sirianni is speaking today before practice. Is that the timing of uh, the coaches appearance? Yeah, he always uh, he always he always talks before uh, practice. Uh, Nick, uh, not always Friday. He doesn't, he, he talks after, um, yeah, but that's typical for Wednesday practice. He does it before. So do you think he'll be announcing whether Miles Sanders is or isn't practicing today? Uh, yeah, pro- uh, the Eagles will probably announce that, uh, via Twitter is how they usually do things. They'll activate his 21 day practice window. Um, they, in general, they, I mean, they could activate him and put him on the 53-man roster right away. There's no need to. Right. Uh, because they have that 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 mechanism, uh, which means, uh, you know, you could be cautious and play that game and say he needs a week to, 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 to get back into game shape, or you can play him on uh, – on on Sunday, so that's going to be the most interesting decision. Do the Eagles immediately want to throw him back in the mix and mess with what's working for him, uh, which has been Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, or Boston Scott actually and Jordan Howard, um, which has been, let's be honest, it's been very effective. And yeah, this happens in sports, Jody. You know, you've been around a long time, certainly, and it, and it's usually over a short sample size. To be honest, nobody's question. Miles Sanders has way more talent than both of those players, and I mean, way more talent. Uh, nobody's questioning that. Uh, but for whatever reason, the Eagles have played better. Um, 
with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. And maybe it's just the coaching staff realizing what's a better way to handle uh, a Jalen Hurts-led offense more than Miles Sanders. Because you go all the way back to the Las Vegas game when he got hurt early in that game, he was effective early and they had shifted. So there's no uh, law that says Miles Sanders can't be effective uh, the way those guys have been effective. It's just now that you've seen it and it's out there, um, you have to ask the question, say, well, what's going on here? Because the one thing with Miles as a runner, look, he's going to try to hit the home run on occasion. And sometimes he's not going to take what's there, that three or four yards that that Jordan Howard uh, best exemplifies is going to take. He's going to he's going to run for what the play is blocked for. On the other hand, Miles Sanders is way, way more explosive and way more difficult for defenses to prepare for, to handle. Um, So ultimately, look, the Eagles are going to get Miles Sanders on the field. The the real issue starts, if it starts at all, if he's not effective. But they're going to put him on the field. It's just a matter of when. John, one thing with Miles Sanders' game over the last two years, I thought has been the biggest detriment to him, has been his pass-catching ability. Uh, we all know what he did his rookie year. Average 10.2 yards per catch. He, he was a dynamic threat out of the backfield. You know, Do you feel they could get him involved in the pass game more just to kind of get him just to kind of get him going? Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty evident that they don't view him that way. So, I, I mean, from early on, look, and I always say it was the Jets practices. That was like the final exam for Kenny Gainwell, the joint practices. You know, Kenny's a natural receiver. I mean, he's just got great hands. He's just got a feel for it. And Miles is sort of, you know, the same way he is as a runner. He's a he's a home run hitter. If he if he catches the ball and you know it's blocked well, he can he can do some really impressive things. Uh, but the consistency is just not there. As far not only catching the football, I think that's what everybody uh, focuses on. I, I can tell you for, for the old coaching staff uh, and and the old quarterback, the the issue was I mean he he was never where he was supposed to be. And as a running back, that's, that's paramount because if you're, if you're the, the, the outlet receiver, I mean, you can imagine a quarterback and all the traffic and you're the last resort. And a lot of times they're going to throw the football and not even see it. If they're getting hit, they're going to say, okay, my running back's here and you better be there or ugly things can happen even if it's just looking like a very ugly play. And you saw it a number of times with Carson Wentz. People would say, you know, what the hell, what the heck is Carson doing? What, where's that throw? And then a couple of days later, I talked to the coaches and they'd say, well, you know, the running back is supposed to be there and he's not there. You know, that was the biggest issue, even more than, than the hands, which are not great, but, um, they're probably average. Uh, so, you know, it, but again, when you have that ability to go 75, 80 yards and it's not Miles Sanders fault that fans pump him up to be 
in the same category as the great runners in this league. That's not his fault. I mean, he's still a, a very good player. But where it is, his fault is the fact that he decided to jump on social media and announce to the world last week prior to the game, which he was ineligible for because he was on IR, that he was back. So he kind of got this whole conversation started by stirring the pot on social media. I, John, you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Will they actually activate all four backs? Do you think, think it's a possibility? I, I think less so. Um, how much is special teams the deciding factor in this? Uh, all four of those guys, whatever they contribute to special teams, will that decide whether they go with three or four backs on Sunday? Oh, it's huge. I mean, if you're going to be the fourth back and you're not going to touch the football in the offense, uh, you better play special teams or there's no use for you being up. And that's why I think it's not that big of a deal because Boston's guy can play special teams uh, and contribute in, in, in that fashion. So ultimately, I think when the Eagles get to it, I, I think Miles Sanders is going to be uh, the starting running back. I think Jordan Howard's going to be the complement the between the tackles guy. And I think Kenny Gainwell is going to be the third down hurry, hurry up back uh, that he's been the entire season. Um, and Boston will go back to special teams. But I do think, yeah, I do think all four are going to uh, address. And Boston has earned that right. And he's a big as, as he's a big part of this team, even though he's going to be the odd man out uh, in, in the running back rotation, which is a little bit unfair. But uh, and, and if you want to look at it from. As a rookie, Kenny, Kenny Gainwell has probably regressed um, over the past couple of weeks, and that's, you know, typical for a rookie. Uh, it's difficult to, to have that consistency, but he provides something that the other three don't provide. So they're going to they're gonna keep him up as well. Um, and we'll see how it shakes out. That's my speculation. That's the way I think they're going to go. John, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this, but Nick Sirianni's comments Monday night on Jalen Hurts, they they were kind of eye-popping to me, especially after I, I went a little, I, in my opinion, a little, I don't want to say overboard, but he could have just made it a simple answer, and he decided to really defend his quarterback there. Uh, what would you make of the comments on Jalen Hurts Monday night? Um, I, I, I mean, it's, that's the way Nick is, obviously, number one. And you expect you want your coach to um, pump up your players, especially after they played well. And that was, you know, the first half certainly was the best Jalen Hurts has ever played as a professional, uh, in my estimation, certainly in a lot of people's eyes. And Shane Steichen confirmed that again yesterday. Um, so, I mean, he played great. It's easy to pump somebody up. Um, you know, I think there's two things. And Nick has sort of went down this route and said, to his credit, um, I'm going to I'm gonna try to win football games the best way I can win football games, and I'm going to take advantage of what I have. And I think he's done that. And I think there was com- some concern, you know, dating all the way back to when the Eagles hired him because not a lot of people knew a lot about Nick Sirianni, and they thought, Hey, we had people on the show, Jody, who would say, you know, Jeffrey Lloyd and Howie Roseman are going to strong arm this guy and force him to do certain things. Uh-uh, not at all. 
uh, he's doing what he wants to do. He's doing uh, what he's what he thinks is best to win on Sundays. I don't know what he's sharing behind the scenes, but I can tell you it doesn't matter. Um, and he has shifted this offense, and he's had success. And I, I think that's a very positive development from the coach's perspective. And obviously, the quarterback is improving in this offense versus the offense that they started the season with. Nick Sirianni's communicative skills are something that has been uh, talked about a lot since the day he was hired, did his original press conference and uh, kind of put everybody on edge. Um, We know he's gone down some original roads as far as growing plants and the like. But one thing that he stuck with, and it's old school, and I, I like the fact that he at least puts forth this front, is that they played them one at a time. They're just worried about who they're playing this week. So all is a focus and all the team's focus is on the New Orleans Saints. Is that 100% what's going on behind the room, behind the, the curtain, inside the room? Uh, can they just keep it narrow focused? Because I players tell you all the time, I don't hear the radio. I don't hear Birds 365. I don't read the newspapers. I don't go to CBSSports.com. Um, there, there is a little buzz out there about the Eagles as a potential playoff team. Can Nick Sirianni keep that out of the room? Um, no, I, 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 you know, I think it's much harder for players. I, I think you see it, you know, we talked about social media and Miles Sanders. I mean, you know, social media is rat poison, as Nick Saban would say, and Jalen Hurts, uh, constantly refers to yeah it's really difficult I, I think it's easier for the coaches but even the coaches I mean the coaches hear what there's being said and written about them and they tweak us behind the scenes at times and you know correct us or say that's bull bleep and whatever but um, yeah I mean they see it but I, I think from the perspective of concentrating on the next opponent, I think it's really easy for coaches. I think it's really easy because there's not enough time in the day to prepare for the New Orleans Saints than to worry about what's coming up down the road. Um, so I think that kind of takes care of itself. But yeah, the players peek ahead. And, you know, I forget uh, somebody said that earlier. Anyone who says they don't is lying. So they know, they know it's, it looks easier. It's one of the reasons I picked the Eagles to beat the Broncos because, you know, the Broncos young players who played well in Dallas, and there were a lot of them, um, you know, they were probably feeling themselves a little bit. And it's it's difficult to – it's just it's difficult to handle success as adversity. We've seen that over the years with young players in the NFL. Um, so that's always a problem to keep everybody focused. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be difficult for the Eagles this week because they haven't won a game at home. And like I said, when, you know, the Eagles put up Nick Sirianni's post-game speech um, after the win, as as organizations are wont to do, and he was already talking about, we got to get a win at home. We got to get, he, he, he stuck that in there. Uh, so he's well aware, you know, they're winless at Lincoln Financial Field. And obviously that, can't continue so i don't i don't think it'll be a problem this week john you kind of led into this a little bit for me uh you know the eagles 
I remember in 2013, I think it was, they had a 10-game losing streak at Lincoln Financial Field, and they finally were able to get one. I'm trying to remember the game it was. I might have been against the Giants against Nick Foles when they snapped it. I, I'm, I can't remember the exact game, but once they did, the floodgates kind of opened a little bit, and they went on a little bit of wing streak because they got that uh, win at home. Uh, you know, how much, and you kind of led into this a bit, but how much does this team feel like that's, I, I don't know, a monkey on their back or a burden for them right now? Uh, I think it's a little bit uh, of a monkey on their back just because of, you know, it is what it is. They haven't won at home. I, I mean, we always talk about home field advantages in this league and the significant ones, but they're only significant when you have a good team. I, I mean, you know, if you have a really good team and you're playing at home, yeah, then it's really difficult. If you're not, then it's not. It doesn't matter the fan base. It doesn't matter the passion. It doesn't matter what. Uh, I mean, it's just difficult to win anywhere. And I always joke about Green Bay because everyone talks about the the story tradition of Lambeau Field. Well, it didn't even exist between Bart Starr and Brett Favre. Uh, it was like two decades where they were one of the worst teams in football. They had no home field advantage to the point they played half their games in Milwaukee because they said, who cares? We can't win anywhere. Um, so it, it, it doesn't exist when you're a bad football team. When you're a good football team, Lincoln Financial Field is a really, really difficult place to play. Really difficult. And obviously, that's the goal. The Eagles want to get back to where they're a good football team, and then the home field advantage will start to show up again. Um, so, I mean, that, and that's not just Philadelphia. That's everywhere. I think you just did a major disservice to the magic man, Don Mikowski, but uh, I, <laughs> I don't think I did, Jody. Look at those two decades. They were not pretty. Uh, the, for it the majority be- of those two decades, you're right. But the Magic Man started the uh, Lambeau Field turnaround oh, right nice before. Yeah. Right. Mid 80s. <laughs> I don't think he's going to the ring of, ring of honor there. Yeah, all right. He might, might come up a little <laughs> short there. You got a point. Um, here's one thing you and I haven't talked about much on, on the air. Maybe we should. Um, when the Eagles got off to their slow start and we're sitting here at two and five and wondering that if this season can go down the toilet bowl. One of the contributing factors was they take too many dumb penalties, that they were one of the most penalized team in the National Football League through the first six or seven games of the season. This side, Derek Barnett, a lot of those dumb penalties have dried up. Uh, Offensive line, young guys getting a little bit more into sync, getting their run on, guys playing more disciplined football. If we acknowledge that the Eagles have gotten better at not uh, self-inflicted wounds, who should get credit for that? Uh, I, I think it's always a combination. But I, I think it was overblown when people were making a big deal out of it uh, early in the season. Um, and I think it's overblown from a coaching standpoint now. A lot of it is just the players focusing and staying more disciplined. The, the Eagles coaching staff was pretty consistent early in the season the only thing you're upset about with uh, generally, I say generally, uh, as as a coach is the pre-snap stuff, the false starts, the offsides, because that stuff is just pure focus and pure discipline. Sometimes even false starts, if you're on the road, 
and you're in that type of environment, you can forgive at least a little bit. But generally, the only thing they get upset about is the pre-snap stuff, and for good reason. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon's probably the one that, because it's so frustrating as a defensive player when you're third and 15 and you get a ticky-tack roughing the passer, a ticky-tack pass interference call, whatever, and it turns a third and long into a first down. And it, it just, but there's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, he said, give me the down, give me the distance and just focus on the next play and get out there. That's all you can do. And we talk about NFL officiating a lot and that's just where the league is. It's over legislated. It it is what it is. So there's, you, you control what you can control. Coaches say that a million times. And that's the pre-snap stuff. And the Eagles got, have gotten better with it. The coaching staff has stressed it, certainly. And the players have, have, have gone out there and focused a lot more. So I think both deserve a little bit of credit. John, Nick Sirianni will probably get asked this again today, but the staffs of Brandon Brooks. Would the Eagles prefer to take their time with him, knowing how well Nate Herbig is playing and how well this offensive line is going right now? Yeah, well, I, you know, it's, you know, Jack is back at right guard. I mean, there's no question. I mean, Brandon Brooks is a, is a great player, but there's also very little chance that, that Brandon Brooks is back here next year. Um, so, again, we, we talk about these two masters. Are, are you worried about long term? Now, Isaac Sayamalo's injury, and that's why they moved Landon Dickerson from right guard to left guard because he's out for the season. You know Landon's going to be there uh, the entire year, barring his own injury. So how important is it to get, you know, is Jack Driscoll's future at right guard? Maybe, probably not. Um, But, yeah, I mean, they said eight weeks. It's been eight weeks. There's no update. I mean, it could be coming from both sides. You know, does Brandon want to get out there? Does Brandon want to risk another injury, knowing he's got probably – Uh, a new contract to deal with after this season if the Eagles decide to move on. There's a lot of moving parts to that. And it is a little bit weird that the Eagles, they will not give us any concrete information on Brandon Brooks and where he is from a health standpoint. But, Mm. you know, if it's obviously he hurt his pack. So it wasn't a torn pack, so he's not out for the year. This is a long time for a strain pack. So make of it what you will, I guess. It, it is a little bit strange. Jay Mack, you said you don't think that, uh, and, and Jake Driscoll kind of showed that and proved that he's a starting player in this league. But if he does, what position do you think it would be if not right guard? Well, I think he's a natural right tackle. That's where he played in college at Auburn. Um, uh, that's where he's most comfortable and obviously the Eagles don't need a right tackle uh, right now. Um, and, and a lot of people, you've, you've heard the Big V comparison a lot over uh, the past number of weeks, uh, people comparing Jack to Halapulivati Vaitai. Uh, Jason Kelsey has done it. Lane Johnson's done it. Um, and, and, you know, Maybe his best long-term role is the sixth man 
the guy who plays everywhere if you need him uh, and plug him in. I think that's the Eagles thinking long term. Um, and ultimately, we'll see what they do at right guard. Um, could be could be Brandon, could be Jack, could be somebody not here. We're not even thinking about it. It's probably not going to be Nate Herbig, and I don't understand why, but that's another that's a con that's another conversation. Every time they they're forced to put Nate Herbig in there, he just plays well. And for whatever reason they don't view him as a starter. Uh, John, Devonta Smith, he's been, in my opinion, one of the few impact rookies, at least in the high end of the draft this year. Uh, do you feel with Jamar Chase, Jalen Wall, I mean, they're having good starts too, but where would you rank him amongst those three right now? Um, they're all good. It's, you know, I think they're all a little bit different. Um, I think DeMonte's the most well-rounded. Um, I, I, I'm amazed at Devontae Smith's route running ability. People probably know that by now. It's, it's amazing for a rookie player. The last guy I saw coming to the league that advanced was, uh, Stefan Diggs. And you see him, um, and, and what he's been able to do. Um, it, it's, it's so rare because, and a lot, you know, at the college level, Mike Evans, probably the best example of this, you know, he lined up on the right side, like every single snap played the same thing, ran the same route. And, you know, he arrived in the NFL and didn't know much of the route tree. Really, really difficult. He's certainly been able to overcome it, but that's, I think that happens more than people realize. And, and the fact Devante came in and was that far advanced um, really is a, is a good to put it mildly is a, is a good situation. And the, and the fact that he's going to develop into a, a really, really good receiver. The other two are really good too. I mean, Jamar Chase is certainly the most explosive. I compare him a lot to, C.D. Lamb because he's going to drop the football occasionally, but who cares? He's going to make so many big plays uh, down the field. And Jalen Wild is really good too. I mean, that you know, if he gets uh, at what I call a high volume throw, if he gets that four thousand yard passer, he would put up astronomical numbers as well. They're they're all three of them are really really good receivers. So you know, all right, I need both not- you guys. I need both you guys to repeat after me. Free Greg Ward. We need it this week, John. Uh, <laughs> we do not need Jalen Rager anymore. We need to get Ward involved in this. The guy catches everything that's thrown his way, which is almost never. Um, they they need to get him on the field and maybe actually target him a couple times this week. Yeah, it ain't happening, Jody. It ain't happening. Now maybe it gets on the so, field. So we got we, we need we know, need another jet sweep for minus seven yards from Jalen Rager. Is yeah, that well, what you're telling you me? You should probably put yeah, you should probably put that in the back pocket. But those two things are not mutually exclusive. Like I always joke, you know, Nick Sirianni's got his play sheet, and there's a bunch of plays on there for Devontae Smith, and there's a bunch of plays on there for Dallas Goddard. And then you got the scraps. And remember, you know, and I, I people are probably going to take this the wrong way, but, you know, the same thing happened with Matt Collins when Carson Wentz was here. 
Remember that stretch when uh, Matt Collins was playing a lot and, and he didn't catch a football and, and people were losing their mind. He's on the field for 40 plays and he doesn't have one target. And, you know, one of the coaches that shall remain nameless, but you can figure it out. So why, you'd kill me if I target Matt Collins. Why am I targeting Matt Collins? Uh, you know, you're sixth on the on the 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 list of people to get the football to in an era where and again, this is this is the era of football. This is not a criticism of Jalen Hurts. There's no Pete Mannings out there. Nobody's going to the fourth progression. So if you're not one or two, you're not getting the football. Bottom line. And Devontae's one and Dallas is two. And we'll see if Dallas is healthy. Now, the question is, if Dallas it can't get through the concussion protocol, then who is number two? That's when you have the issue. You're, you're really good at one and two. And probably three and four is the running backs more than any of the receivers. And then you start talking about the Jack Stoles of the world getting the catches for two yards. But there are no guys who are going through, oh, there's my first progression, there's my second progression, there's my third progression. I'm going to dump it off to the back. Peyton Manning doesn't exist in the modern NFL, with the exception, obviously, of one guy, and we all know who that is. So, John, I know the Eagles protected John Hightower yesterday, and maybe I'm overthinking it, but I'm like, okay, is it – Yeah, you're overthinking it. Yeah, did you ever think of Whiteside, or is it because that was Goddard's injury? Uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean, John might be elevated. I think he's got one more elevation. Um, uh, JJ's hurt again. Who knows? I mean, JJ comes off the field, it seems like every week, and then he's playing the next week. Um, and he's a good special teams player, JJ. Um, so, I mean, if he's healthy, if he's ready to play, he'll be out there. Uh, if not, probably John will be up, but he's not, he's not getting to work. And if he does, it, it'll be on, you know, a scramble and Jalen just sees him down the field. And, you know, but there's they're not going to be big parts of the offense. When you, when you talk about role players, they're not going to be big parts of the offense. They're just not. All right, uh, Jay Makos, just looking something up to make a point. Uh, I got a great trivia question for you. Car, you can hop in here. Uh, I don't know if you guys have your computer in front of you. Uh, yeah, the Magic Man led the National Football League in <laughs> yeah. passing yards in 1989. So you did do a disservice to the Magic Man. Don and what was the Packers record, more importantly? Ten and six, big guy, made the Pro Bowl. Went to the playoffs, made the Pro Bowl. Don Mikowski, to me, is famous for one thing and one thing only. Getting hurt in week three against the Bengals of Brett Favre. So. Yeah, that was, uh, that was their... Uh, uh, Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady moments. Uh, everybody was saying, "Oh, oh, that's that's not good." <laughs> it was really good. And here comes it the next decade really of Brett Favre. Yes, uh, I, I'm not going to argue that, but you did a disservice to Don Mikowski. So I was looking at guys I, who have who have led the it, yeah. uh, NFL in yards passing, and that Breeze guy did it like eight times, and Brady, and Manning, and Favre, and. There's very few guys. You got to go a long way back to 1989, 30 plus years ago. Uh, but there aren't 32 well, different yeah, guys who've okay. done it. So, uh, so 
here's the here's the point I was trying to make, Jody. What what year did what year was Brett Favre? Probably what are we saying? Nine early nineties. Ninety two. He became the the ninety two. Yeah, ninety two. So, all right, go from ninety one to say seventy one. How many ten win seasons did the Packers have? That that might have been the only one. Don Mikowski had one. You did a disservice to the Magic. They they were only good in the late eighties, Jody. That was it. Yeah, because, that might have been because of the magic been, man. That's what I'm saying. Somebody, and Sterling Sharp, I'm sure he had a lot to do. Here, with here's what I saw: all reference and look at their records and tell me how many ten win seasons they had in the prior two decades. Yeah, you're, to, you're, to, your overall, to, your overall point was correct. I just would have went <laughs> comma except for the magic have, man. But that's just me. what Jody. Case Keenum was fifth in the MVP voting. When the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, I'm not oh, saying oh, Case oh. Keenum's a great quarterback. No, but he had Everybody the year that he, have a good he year. had the year that he had. Yeah, well, well one yeah. year there are a whole bunch of guys that don't even have one year. I'll give you a guy who I guess had one year. I did not know this. Who do you think led the National Football League in yardage passed for in 2009, which is only 12 Matt years Schaub. ago? It isn't like a long way back. It's Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub. When the hell did he ever lead the National Football League in yardage? I couldn't believe that when I just looked. No friggin' yeah, Matt way Matt Schaub led the NFL in yardage. Yeah, he did. Well, that's Holy my Matt that's Schaub. a good point. That's another good one. Matt Matt Schaub had he had a couple good seasons. Jeff, yeah, Jeff's the stats guy. He oh, Matt Schaub was pretty good for a while. I covered Westchester East for a while too. <laughs> You're always reminded of how good Matt Schaub was every once yeah. in a while. Yeah, he you know, throw you know who is, you know, is a big Matt Schaub fan. I, I'll tell you a, a quick story. Take forty-five seconds. I'm at the Giant camp eight years ago, ten years, twelve years ago, whatever it was. Uh, uh, their general manager sat down with us. Ernie did, and we talked about the Eli Manning acquisition, and they took Philip Rivers or whatever else. And he sat there and said, "I would have taken any of the four quarterbacks." And I said, four? It was Rivers. It was Roethlisberger. It was Eli." He said, oh, no, Matt Schaub, that he had all four of those guys grouped together. I go, no, 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 it was three. He goes, no, I like Schaub. If we had gotten Schaub, I would have been perfectly fine with Schaub. And I rolled my eyes. But he did lead the National Football League in yardage in passing one year, which comes as a massive surprise for your truly. I'm going to say, what was he, a third-round pick, Jeff? He was a third-rounder. I'm going to put the over-under on Matt Schaub at at least two 4,000-yard seasons. I think he had three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he might. that's why my over on. He might be over. And I'm going to go over two Pro Bowls. He was a good player. I think it was over, too. He had that stretch for, like, four years before he threw, like, an interception. Like, I I remember when he basically imploded on Sunday Night Football, and I'm like, Matt Schaub, like, what happened to him? Yeah, he got really bad really quick. But and people do forget he had a, he had a, probably a four four year run maybe. Where he's pretty good it, quarterback. By the way, is he still the Falcons' backup quarterback? Because he's been hanging around now for the better part of a decade, no, he living retired. off those four thousand yard seasons. He retired. It's Josh Rosen now. Oh, yeah, Josh Rosen. Yeah, but Matt Matt played. Hey God, he had to be. He was over fifteen, I would think, over fifteen years probably. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was in a long time. I, I just remember he just toiled around with the Falcons as their backup. I think he was backup for a bunch of teams too. I think the 49ers were one of them at one point. 
Texas. Yeah, he was backed up in Atlanta for a long time. I, I think, well, obviously, he st- I think he started in Atlanta. They drafted him, and then he finished in Atlanta. But he was really good in Houston. That's where he was really good. And uh, I remember he was in Baltimore for a little bit. But yeah, that, he, and then Ernie, of course, he was a big fan. I couldn't believe he grouped him with those other three quarterbacks, but he did do a decade plus in the league. So give him a job. That, that job is the modern day Mark Rippon. I, I didn't realize Mark Rippon played in the league as long as he did. I knew he came back with the Eagles. Yeah, but Mark won a Super Bowl. That's where Mark, Mark gets. And I think he led the league in passing too one year. Oh, yeah. Mark uh, Mark won MVP, I think, one year. Yeah, I, I you're right. I think he's one of those rare guys, MVP, Super Bowl MVP. That yeah. that I that I was not would not be surprised. But Rippin, uh, excuse me, uh, shot leading the league in passing did just blow my mind. I did not remember that, and it is only twelve years ago. All right, speaking of quarterbacks, should the Eagles be worried about Trevor Simeon on Sunday, John Mack? Uh, worried? No, I, I mean, <laughs> look, he's he's capable of beating you but no i mean this is a team that had to go through the ringer in the first half i i don't i don't think they're going to be worried about trevor simeon the problem is there's the human nature aspect of you know breathing the sigh of relief and saying oh all right we got look at this stretch we got going that's what you got to worry about but you know that's a good problem to have if you're nick sirianni and jonathan gannon i mean i i Trevor Simeon's an NFL player, an NFL quarterback. He's been around for a long time as a backup. He's had some big games in Denver, and um, and he's played pretty well uh, with the Saints. So you can't take him for granted, but at the same time, you're you're also not, you know, it's not the sense of urgency of, oh, Patrick Mahomes is on the schedule this week, to put it lightly. So, you know, the NFL is difficult. And that's what I said yesterday on the show, Jody. Not that these guys can't play, because they can all play, but it's the easiest stretch you're going to see from a from a quarterback standpoint in the second half for the Eagles moving forward until Week 18. And who knows if Dak Prescott even shows up for Week 18 because we don't know where Dallas is going to be. But, I, I mean, you got to take advantage of it. But I don't think anybody's going to worry him. All right, let, let, let me let me put it this way: next six weeks, you got Daniel Jones twice. You got uh, Taylor he played twice. great this week against the Bucks, but it seems like that's the only team he plays great against is Tampa. Taylor Heineke. You got the to be determined Jets starting quarterback, and you got Trevor Simeon. If I tell you he's the quarterback that I worry about most out of the, those six games, would you agree or disagree with me? No, I, 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 I would fear the unknown more. Like I, I assume Zach Wilson is going to be back, uh, your guy, and he can sling the football. I mean, he's got talent. Josh Johnson, so, you're afraid of Josh Johnson and the Jets? No, I, I, I assume Zach Wilson is going to be back. Uh, that would be the guy I most fear because of the unknown, and he's got actual talent. And then probably Daniel Jones after that because he's got some ability. He can Robert run the Simeon's football. Robert going to jump up and bite your butt, McMullen. Remember, you heard it here first. I, I, you just said much like the Magic Man, you're disrespecting Trevor Simeon. You're doing a good job of disrespecting quarterback today, buddy. I am, and and I, I will just say that 
Yeah, if I'm putting myself in Jonathan Gannon's shoes, I'm not. I'm not worried about Trevor Simeon. Uh, I'm, I'm not. not. I'm oh, not all that worried about the Simeon. <laughs> I mean, I but and by that I mean it, it's just you know going into it, the NFL. Everybody has good players. I say all the time. You can talk yourself into things. If you want to look for ways you can lose a game, you're going to find a hundred different ways because everybody's got good players. But when you're facing uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr and everybody else, I, I mean, he's not that level. So you you thank you you say okay, it's a little bit easier this week, uh, and that doesn't mean you can let your guard down. You got to take advantage of it. But he's not those guys. That's not an insult. That's just common sense. No, the the insult was uh, that Daniel Jones is better, but that's how I would look at it if I were Trevor Simeon. <laughs> well, you you got you Jody. I love you, man. But once you you turn on a player, that's it. You close the book. There's oh, absolutely. No, Jody, man of conviction. Until proven until proven wrong, I'm going to stand by my stances. Has Daniel Jones proven me wrong yet that he can't play? Now, Dan, Daniel Jones has not been great, but as we know, and I the same way, I just said, who am I f- more feel fear more fearful of? Because who's got the better skill set? Who can run the football? Who can do some different things? Who can beat you that way? You know, Trevor Simeon's there. Everything's got to be perfect. You got to have the pass protection. The receiver's got to show up. He's not going to beat you with his legs. You got to stay ahead of the sticks. Everything's got to be on schedule. There's no margin of error for, for the Saints. And Trevor Simeon is not running 81 yards and tripping seven yards before yeah. the line. <laughs> well, yeah. He's not right. He's not running 81 yards in 18 games, I don't think. So from that perspective, yeah, I I that look, I'm not fearful of any of them. That's the whole point. Over yeah. this next stretch, you shouldn't be fearful of any of them. You should thank your lucky stars that that's who's uh, they're putting up the bowling pins. I mean, you just have to take advantage of it. Uh, I'm just, I'm here to point. I'm here. I'm just here to point out that last week against the Tennessee Titans defense, which, oh by the way, is better than the Eagles defense. Trevor Simeon threw for almost 300 yards. I, I, I'm just worried that the much Saints like John McMullen, the Philadelphia Saints. Eagles will take Trevor Simeon a little likely going into the, this week's game. That's my only. Well, that was the the whole reason I I took uh, I took the Eagles to beat Denver. It's certainly possible that they. That's my point. That's your job as a coach. You 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 can't be fearful, but you got to make sure the the players don't take their foot off the gas because they see Trevor Simeon and they say, "Oh, we we'll breathe a sigh of relief. We got no more great quarterbacks." Yeah, that's real. That part's real, but I don't think you're fearful of him as a player. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Here's the other thing I got to point out, too. This is kind of a must-win game for the Saints as well. They lose their 5-5, five and five and they're yeah. right with everybody else. Yeah, the Saints aren't making the playoffs. I'm predicting that right now. All right. Well, when uh, Assumption's own, Deontay Harris gets behind Darius Slay because he got a little excited by his big play last week, and he's looking to make another one. And just remember, oh, shoot, yeah, Jody warned about that on Wednesday. That For my uh, boy, well, Smith. I mean, he can make big plays. There's no question about that. I mean, that kid can run, but he doesn't even play that much. So, I mean, he's not, because he, of his size, he, 
He leads He's the not. he leads the Saints in yards receiving this year. That ain't saying much, though. <laughs> yeah, that ain't saying much. I'm saying no. I'm saying snap wise, he's not on the field a lot because you can't use him a lot because of his size. He's made plays when he's on the field, and compared to, uh, you know, there are other receivers. Obviously, Michael Thomas is out. Um, I don't even know. I, I guess Callaway is their, you know, the guy who plays the most. Is that is that uh, right? Yeah. Tr- so it's Cal. It was Callaway early, and now it's Traquan Smith since he's back. Yeah, Traquan Smith hasn't been hasn't been very good. I mean, Deontay's just really, really small. So I, you know, he he doesn't play a lot, um, just from a number standpoint. Uh, I'd like to see I'd like to see one of the Eagles wide receivers not named Devonta Smith jump up and do that this week. Was Yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I would rather have them, yeah, than those guys. Yeah, I would rather have it. But my assumption is that the Saints will not make the playoffs because there's just there are too many injuries. They don't have their quarterback. It's you know, Sean Payton deserves a ton of credit for having them above water as we stand here. Um, and who knows? I, is is Kamara going to play? We'll know better today. I don't know how long he's going to. That, that's the one that. Yeah. That's the news conference I want to be in for because yeah. I want to find out what's going on with him or how serious is his injury. Not just for uh, Eagle Saints purposes. Uh, Alvin Kamara is the reason why my fantasy team is eight two right now. Yeah, I mean Alvin Kamara changes your games. I mean that that guy is really difficult to deal with. I mean, really, really difficult to deal with. So. If he doesn't play, the Eagles are in really, really good shape. Um, and and that'll be something to keep an eye on as the week moves. That's one person I'm not afraid of, Mark Ingram. He, I, I like him, but he's only effective when Kamara's there. Yeah. It makes him better. Correct. All right, John, no, we got to let you run. Last thing, um, do you expect to get a probable on Goddard information that you know they're not going to say, oh, he's good to go. No, he not said to- they're not allowed to give up information when guys are in protocol. They're just going to say he's in the protocol, uh, which we already know. So, yeah, Josh Sweat got through it in a week. Depends on, on the player. Depends on the previous concussions. Everybody's different. Uh, but you probably won't even know that till Saturday. In fact, you definitely won't know it until Saturday. That's when they would pass the protocol. Now, if he's on the field working – for an example, Josh Sweat was on the field working on a side field Wednesday. By Thursday, was back at practice in a limited fashion. Those are all signs that he's going through the protocol quickly, and he cleared it Saturday. Um, if Goddard's not on the field today, if he's not limited, you, you know it's not going as well. It's not going as fast. So there are little signs you can pick up, but you're not allowed to even give status. You just say the guys in the concussion protocol. Well, J-Mac will have those insights for us tomorrow. Uh, buddy, thanks for hopping on. Uh, I'll tell Don Makowski you said hello. I uh, appreciate your uh, jumping on to start a show today. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate That's it. Johnny Mac, usual partner. Jeff Kurds in his stead, and he's sticking around with me. Uh, we got plenty more to break down for you. Hour number two, we're going to get uh, a butt of the show. Been on before. Does a great job on his website, crossingbroad.com. Uh, Kevin Kenny is going to join us. Uh, Kevin Kincaid, excuse me, going to join us a little bit later on. But coming back with Jeff Kerr next, it's me, Jody Mack. You've got to tune the Birds 365. <laughs>
Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Jeff Kerr, I'm Jody McDonald. You got us. Kerr and McDonald duo for the next hour and 10 minutes here on Birds 365, a Wednesday edition, which we call hump day. Uh, it's certainly a, the National Football League thing. It's a regular week thing. You got to get over the hump to get to the weekend. And of course, the weekend includes New England Saints coming in to take on the Philadelphia Eagles, who yeah, if you haven't been able to pick up on what I've been saying uh, starting yesterday and carrying in today, I'm worried about this game, Jeff. Um, I think that the Saints are a team that come in with a little chip on their shoulder. They got beat last week by Tennessee. After they get the big win by Tampa over Tampa, they take a step back. Uh, but I still like their defense a lot. They've got the number one defense in the NFL against the run. And that's what the Philadelphia Eagles have done the last couple of weeks, dedicated their offense to the run. Uh, and they're going to attempt to stay in that mode this week. And if the 
team to come up as stout as they can be, uh, we could have some quick three and outs in that game on Sunday against the Saints. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, Jerry, before I get into my point, we got some breaking news. Then What's that? Darius Slay, NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Oh, uh, see, I'm telling you, he's going to get beat over the top. Slay is <laughs> That's where Slay I was thinking of, this. He, he, he likes uh, doing the post-game interviews after scooping up a fumble and being able to take shots at the opposition. All oh, the fat guys were out there, so there was no way I was going down. I was going to the house. Be careful this week. The big play Slay likes that limelight, and sometimes if you get a little greedy for it, you can end up getting burnt. And Deontay Harris is the kind of guy who can get behind the defense. I know Jonathan Gannon's defense is all about not getting gashed and not giving up the big plays. Yeah, but somebody's got to be able to get back and make that play. May need some safety help, uh, Darius, this week. Uh, but good for him. He deserved That was a great play. Just a phenomenal play. Running one way, coming back the other. Since you went there, and I don't want to uh, get away from Darius and the props that he deserves, but it does give me pause going forward for this week. Um, a lot was made of it. I think you and I talked about it a little bit on Monday, and and it has been a major topic of conversation the last 48, 72 hours. Teddy Bridgewater and his lame-o attempt at a tackle on the Darius uh, Slate scoop and score. Now, I, I, I don't the, – the people need the, the, the desire to take it to the both ends. The it's completely acceptable because he's a quarterback and he can't risk getting him hurt. One of the other 10 guys have to make the tackle. Good for you, Teddy Bridgewater. No, to the it's the biggest affront of football in the history of the National Football League. You've got on pads and a helmet. What the hell are you doing? Not even make an attempt. People just feel the need to go to the diametrically opposite ends. Of course, the answer is somewhere in the middle. Did I think he came up lame? Yeah, I did. If you say, Jody, you, you got to be on the one side or the other. You can't be dead in the middle. I'd be more on the critical side than the give him a pass side. But the people who have made this like the cause celeb, that it's the worst play that transpired in the NFL this year, or of course he didn't tackle. He shouldn't even attempt. He should have been walking in the other direction. Why is that, and where does Jeff Kirk come down on this? So I have two scenarios for you where a quarterback tried to make a play on a defensive turnover, and it bit both their teams in the ass. And the first one is Philadelphia-related. Donovan McNabb, 2005, threw an interception. Game was pretty much over. It was against Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Eagles were playing for pretty much their season at that point because it was a disastrous year, as we all know, with the T.O. thing. McNabb tries to make a play. I forget who had the interception, but he just got bullied over by an offensive lineman just trying to get in the way, trying to make a play. He's already frustrated. You know, he's he, – Donovan McNabb at the – you know, Eagles fans forget to realize this. Donovan McNabb was a competitor and tried to make tackle. Offensive lineman saw what he was trying to do, pushes him where the sports hernia is, done for the season. And, you know, he already was beat up. Baker Mayfield, he tried to make a play this year. He got ran over. Shoulder injury. He still has that shoulder injury. That shoulder injury isn't going away. So that's where I kind of side with Teddy Bridgewater. But this is where I fall. You are the starting quarterback, and you're not really the bona fide starting quarterback like Donovan McNabb, like Baker Mayfield. 
you got to give a better effort than what he, Teddy Bridgewater did there. And it's, you know, you had a chance to at least push Darius Slay. You didn't even right. try. You didn't try to. And Vic Fangio said that you got to know your head coach too. Vic Fangio even said Monday, I was in on the press conference. I wish you would have made a better attempt there. You know, it, it, he definitely threw Teddy Bridgewater under the bus. I, I think Teddy Bridgewater threw himself under the bus. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The, he, the head coach just kind of pointed at him and said, yeah, he's under the bus, and he put himself there. Uh, so I got no issues with, with Fangio pointing out I, I only how either. lame an attempt it was. Yeah, that that was the thing. It's, you know, at Bridgewater's excuse, I, I wasn't buying it. I, it was funny, Jody. So, you know, the Eagles had a big win. I figured I'd be writing some Eagles stuff Monday, and, you know, we didn't talk about it at CBS. Like, it, it almost went unknown to a lot of the guys I was working with, and I'm like, you guys know Teddy Bridgewater pulled up late, and they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, and, you know, this is all Fangio's getting asked. So that was, like, the first story I did when I signed in Monday. It wasn't even Monday morning. It was Monday afternoon. I had a rare Monday afternoon shift. And I'm right about that. And they're like, oh, wow, he really, like, just didn't even try. I said, no, that, that was the thing. And Fangio answered about – and he, I, I love Fangio. He, he did not hide the fact that Teddy Bridgewater did that. And he said he talked to him. He, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's going to have a lot of questions to answer – today about it because it's it, it it was a lot of talking De- I, i'll say this jody and you know some guys from denver too they're talking about how they lost to a bad football team this week um you know after they beat dallas they thought they were gonna roll in there and beat the eagles and they were gonna compete for the afc west and that was the turning point of their year now they're basically did the complete 180 all right let's just tank for a draft pick now we need a quarterback we need this we need that this team's not any good so the eagles did that to denver this week yeah, the Eagles are not a bad football team. Shame on whoever is Boy, going down yeah, that road. Yeah, that's where that's where I agree with McMullen too. That Denver got a little too big for their britches there. You know, they, they oh, go ahead. They, I was going to say they might have. I did, do. You have that feel with the Eagles this week that they are a little too high off this uh, victory against the Broncos. I don't because they haven't won a game at home in pretty much a year. I mean, it's. I, I think they need to get that monkey off their back, as as I mentioned to McMullen earlier. I, I think they still got a little bit of chip on their shoulder. And I think they know, too, this is probably their toughest game for a while. And I think they'll be ready for this. I think they want to win a game at home. I, I'm not too worried about them coming off. I don't want to call it a big win. It was a big win for them. But in the grand scheme of things, it's Denver's okay. Like, I mean, it's a big win on the road for them. But – I think Nick Sirianni will have this team ready to play. I'm not really concerned about that. And I think the Eagles know, too. They win this game Sunday. All of a sudden, you're 5-6, and six and you're in a playoff race. And I, I think that's the key for them right now. I, I don't think – one, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to let it happen because we know how Jalen Hurts reacts to pretty much everything. And I, I think the head coach is the same way. Maybe the owner's getting a little bit too excited, but I, I don't really care what Jeffrey Lurie thinks. Yeah, nor do I. And I, I, if they get beat this week, I don't think that will be the reason why. I actually think the opponent coming in is, and this is probably my problem or my my issue. I give Vegas a lot of credit, and when I say Vegas, I mean the people that put out point spreads and the like, which now, by the way, is everywhere. It used to just be Vegas. Now it's everywhere. You can bet anywhere and everywhere. Um, this is only the second time the Eagles have been favored all year. They were favored against the Lions, and now they're favorite against the Saints. The Saints are a team with an above 500 record. The Eagles are still a team with a below 500 record. The game is in Philadelphia. Ooh, home field advantage. 
Oh, except that the Eagles were in four at home. So is there really a home for it, home field advantage here? Uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised by the fact that they're a favorite in this game. I, I again, I think the players are smart enough to be able to take that out of their line of thinking. Us here in the media, the fans so, uh, are like, I'm not a big gambler. I, I usually do like two five hour bets just for fun, but. My theory with Vegas is, and I'll kind of use this for last week. Now they had Atlanta plus nine and a half against Dallas. They were begging you to take Atlanta, begging you. And I'm saying, no, Dallas is going to beat them. They're going to beat them by more than 10 points. They crushed them. That's kind of how I'm feeling with this game. I saw that line. I'm like, they're kind of begging you to take the Saints right now. They're begging you to do it. And I, I, I don't know. It, it just feels like the Eagles are going to win by what? Is, is it still push? Or, did it go up the three? Did it go up? I, it's a point, point and a half. The Eagles are still favored. Uh, okay, it, yeah, I, I, I thought it went up, but it's almost they're begging you to kind of take the Saints, and I'm I'm not giving you any betting advice, but from my perspective, I'd be taking the Eagles just on that merit. Yeah, I have never been one to subscribe to. The line is telling me something. I know people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not a gambler, but I know that's worked for me in the past. But okay, again, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. bets and win. And win four bucks. So I'm yeah. not sure if that's the case. All right, the uh, hypothetical here, uh, JK. Eagles win the coin toss on Sunday, and of course they defer. Why? Because they always do, and most teams do. I kind of poke some fun at Sirianni because uh, he's like clockwork. You know that he's going to defer if give the, given the chance. Um, but then again, it's just become standard operating procedure across the NFL. I disagree. I think there are absolutely times with, depending on the situation and the way your offense is going or the way your defense is going, you or the way the other team's offense or the other team's defense is going, you should absolutely contemplate taking the ball first. But that's me. Um, Eagles defer, as they usually do. Saints get it. The underrated Trevor Simeon marches them down the field and sticks it into the end zone for a touchdown. They do the bend but don't break thing, but oops, they actually break on a lengthy drive that eats up a bunch of time on the clock. Eagles get the ball back, and they're going to ground and pound. That's been so successful in the last three games. Well, the Saints defense is number one against the rush in the National Football League. The Eagles go three and out. Aaron Sipas comes out onto the field. Will the Eagle fans boo? Yes, <laughs> because they expect them to boo. I, I mean, it's I, I think the fans are just getting frustrated with they haven't won a football game at home, even though, again, Eagles fans are raucous and the link is a true home field advantage. But like McMullen says earlier, you have to be good for it to really feel like a home field advantage. And I don't think Eagles are bad, but they're not elite either. You know, they're, they're kind of stuck in the middle right now, but. I think they would boo if they went three and out in, in, in that regard. I, I think they want to see what they've been seeing, you know, the, the last three weeks, them ground the ball, then move it, get first downs. Jalen Hurts finds a wide open Devonta Smith, uh, you know, a wide open Dallas Goddard, and they kind of move the chains and respond. Um, you know, they, they were able to do that against Los Angeles Chargers two weeks ago. Um, you know, that, you know, every, every time Denver answered them, they answered right back and the Eagles never gave up the lead last week. And, you know, same with Detroit. So, yeah, I, I think there will be a little bit of boo, maybe maybe a mocking boo. But I, I definitely think, you know, the Eagles really got to kind of 
put their foot on the gas early on here. You know, maybe get an early turn. Give something to give the crowd something to be excited about and have them walk out of here with a victory this this week. It, it's been a while, Jody. It's what, what last home win. I'm, I'm trying to remember when it was now. Oh, I think it was. Was it the Saints? Saints? Was it the same team? Is it the Saints again? I think it was. Might might very well be. I think you are right about that. Uh At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Um, and by the way, the way I stated it, completely hypothetical. There's a chance that the uh, Eagles win the coin uh, coin toss, or the Saints win the coin toss, and say hey, we'll take we'll defer, and they kick it off to the Eagles, and they go down the field, and Greg Ward catches a one yard touchdown because he can, and the Eagles grab a seven nothing lead, and the joint will be jumping down at the. You're, uh, you're already deeming this the Greg Ward game, aren't you? I'm gonna keep trying. I know I'm. Uh, going down a slippery slope and it's not probably not going to come clean to that 1% chance, but I I've seen enough of Jalen Rager. Please just give, give, uh, we are supposed to give peace a chance, give Ward a chance. That would be my motto for Sunday's game against the uh, Saints. All right. Uh, he's Jeff Carr. I'm Jody McDonald. I mentioned uh, that we're going to get Kevin Kincaid from crossing brought up uh, in hour number two, come back. I'm going to ask. Mr. Kerr, about his main employer, CBS Sports, who have once again did a disjustice to the Philadelphia Eagles. Power rankings around the league. Next here on Birds At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Dockery. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Hey, Jeff Kerr, I'm Jody McDonald. Tuning in here to Birds 365. I've been going down a rabbit hole during some of these breaks, looking stuff up. Got to give McMullen credit. He was right. He, he did a disservice to Don Mikowski, but um, they were a bad, the Green Bay Packers were just a bad football team between uh, uh, Bart Starr and, and Brett Favre. Um, they win the Super Bowl in 67, their second Super Bowl back to back. They made the playoffs once in the 70s. Once they lost the division round matchup when they went 10 and 4 in 1972 under Dan Devine. They made the playoffs once in the 80s. Lost, the, <laughs> lost the divisional matchup. Um, Len Dickey, their quarterback, Brett Bart uh, Starr, their head coach. They made the playoff twice in two decades, the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, Don Mikowski, I was wrong. He went 10 and 6. They didn't make the playoffs that year. He led the NFL in uh, yardage thrown, and uh, he didn't get the most touchdowns, but he got a ton touchdowns. Yeah, Joe, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they played a playoff game at Lambeau Field for almost 30 years. I think it was that long. Like I think their first playoff game under Favre might have been 95 because when Favre had that Hail Mary to beat Detroit, that was in Detroit. That wasn't in Lambo. And that was a wild card. Yeah, you might. Yeah, they got, I, and they it, got picked it, it up in divisional matchups yeah. two years running under uh, Holmgren. 
you're probably right. It was a long time between drinks of water. But uh, Don Mikowski did lead the NFL in uh, passing, so uh, I'm going to stand by Mike. He did a disservice to Don Mikowski, much like he did a disservice to Trevor Simeon today, but his overall point was dead on right. You know, he's going to come on this show Monday if Trevor Simeon plays bad and uh, and I, I'll be, you, you know where I'll be. I'll be sitting right here in this chair, buddy. But if, if, Trevor, if Trevor Simeon throws for 296, just like he did last week against a superior defense, the Eagle defense, and the Eagles come out on the short end of the score, well, Johnny Mack's going to have He can't hide behind the I'm getting on a plane routine on Monday morning. No, no, no. He needs to be here. Sorry about that, Jeff Curry. You're out next Monday. Because McMullen will be here. I, I'm out for a month, technically. He can't hide because they got two games in New York, too. And then they got the bye week. So he can't hide from you at all. COVID protocol Wednesday is we're going to start to call the Jeff Kerr appearances here on uh, Birds 365. But he is of CBSSports.com, which I got to tell you, Jeff, I'm getting a little ticked off here. And I'm if not really. So uh, I can understand why. I work for CBS Sports Radio, which is kind of a misnomer because we're actually owned by Odyssey. They purchased it it from CBS several years ago, but we retained the name. So while by name we're CBS, we're not really CBS anymore. Oh, you are. You're CBS. And everybody comes out with their power rankings every single week. ESPN, CBS, the NFL, Bleacher Report, Yahoo. Everybody's got their power ratings. And I always check them out. They mean absolutely nothing. They have no significance whatsoever. In yesteryear of college football, what the media thought about college football was really kind of important because that decided the national championship. Who was going to be able to claim a championship was decided but by say that that's better than what they got now. <laughs> uh, I, I actually think they do a pretty good job, although I, I nitpick on a weekend, week out basis. Um, but it, it's fun for fans and it's it's fun for us to be able to look at it and put it in its proper perspective. CBS on a weekend, week out basis has the Eagles ranked lower than any of the other outlets, Bleacher Report or The Ringer or ESPN or whatever else. Who votes for CBS? Is it one individual? Is it a group of individuals? Who's got a hard on for the birds? That would be one Pete Prisco. That's he, was, he, he is CBS Sports.com's NFL ranker. He is. That is Pete's baby. That is Pete's. He goes all, he makes the rankings and he goes on CBS Sports HQ and he says why your team is good and why your team sucks. But Sometimes I don't know what Pete watches. He, he does like Jalen Hurts, so I'll give him that. It's, he's a big Jalen Hurts guy. He had the Eagles 26th. And and while I'm pimping Prisco and CBS a little bit here, they have been, almost on a weekly basis, lower on CBS than comparison to all the other outlets. It's not like he's got them at uh, 31 and other outlets have the Eagles at number 11. No, they're in the 20s. And they've been in the 20s all year. Uh, after they beat Atlanta, I think they had a high average of, let's say, seven or eight. I saw this on uh, phillyvoice.com. Jimmy Kemsky puts it together. He takes seven, eight outlets, and he averages them together. That was the highest after they beat the Falcons. I think they were up in, like, 2021. Uh, they've dropped down, and when they were two and five, they were down in the low 20s, almost into the 30s. And right now they're at about 
22-ish after a good win against the Broncos. But Prisco still got him at 26. I, I'm sure that you rate it. You read it every single week. You say he likes Jalen Hurts. Well, what doesn't he like about the Eagles? I think it was more of who the Eagles beat than the actual Eagles team. Um, you know, I know he's not too crazy about the Denver Broncos. And I, I forget what he said about Denver, Dallas. Um, I, I forget what I was doing last week. But usually I tune in the HQ and watch, you know, they usually spotlight about five teams. And I know he's not high on the Denver Broncos. I'll say that. And I, I have a feeling he's going to move them up if they beat the Saints. He's a big Sean Payton guy. So he loves what Sean Payton has been able to do with that team so far. I mean, it is kind of a miracle they're five and four and they beat Tampa Bay. And the Saints are such an, and they're such an enigma, Jody. Every time I, I don't, I never write Sean Payton off, but I'll be like, oh, yeah, they're going to lose this week. No, they beat Tampa. No, they, they, they beat a team they shouldn't beat. And they lose the teams they shouldn't lose to, like the Atlanta Falcons, for example. And so I, I think that's what he's basing it off of who they beat. And the NFC East is in a good division. Even though, I, as a guy who ranks every division every week for CBS, I'm going to say this right now. The NFC East is better than the NFC North, the AFC South, and maybe even the AFC East. I mean, it's the NFC East isn't as bad as we advertise it to be. I thought that that was just a tad low for me this week, the Eagles at 20. Oh, oh, it's low. I, I would have given them probably 21, 22. Yeah, I, I give them. I, I don't think the Eagles are as bad as people make them out to be. I'll say that. And I I believe that when you're doing it and you've got all teams having played or most teams haven't played 10 games, all, all teams haven't played at least nine, so you're more than halfway through the season. Any one game doesn't dictate it, but the Broncos are at five and five. The Eagles are at four and six. The Eagles just kicked their tails. Mm-hmm. The Broncos are at number 21 and the Eagles are at number 26. Yeah. I'm not saying the Eagles have to be ahead of the Broncos because they just beat the Broncos, but five spots behind them when they just beat them in their own house by double-digit points, that's a little bit of a difficult I, I can't remember if he put Washington ahead of Philly or not. I thought he did, but... Oh, he's got the Giants ahead of the Eagles. The Giants aren't better than them, so that's all I need to know. Giants are 24, Eagles are 26. They're just ahead of the Washington football team, which Washington could have taken a pretty big jump. Um, they should have taken a big jump after that. I mean, I, I gave the NC East a lot of credit for going 3-0 last week. See, here's where I got an issue again. The I've got CBSSports.com up right now. Um, they actually went down one slot this week. Last yes. week, they were 25. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah, this I'm week, they're 26. And they beat a winning team on the road in their house by double-digit points. How do you lose a spot in the rankings? I gotta go on. I gotta find that HQ vid and, and see if he profiled the Eagles this week. Yeah, I, I don't get that. For, for me, my I never done league-wide power rankings, but if I had to, my number one thing is I don't think you move down when you win a football game. I just don't. You either stay idle or you move up. I I, I never understood the whole you move down, like, when you win a game. Like, if you're – like, say say the Cardinals, for example. If you lose guy for the season, but you – like, say say they would lose Kyle Murray for the year, but they win the game. I, I remember this when the Eagles would lose McNabb. Well, the Eagles won, but they lost their starting quarterback, so they moved down. Like, that makes no sense. They're still one of the best teams in football. I don't know. <laughs> here's, here's the way I look at it. There is a possibility you could win 
and go down because if there were teams that were very close to you and they had more impressive wins, it might be enough, just enough to put them at you. What more did you want the Eagles to do against the Broncos? It was not only a win, it was an impressive win. As I said here yesterday on Birds 365, they checked all the boxes, passing game, running game, defensive line getting pressure, big play slay, blocked uh, field goal on special teams. Across the board, every aspect of the game, they did something either very big and or consistently good. That's the kind of win that should move you up in the ratings, not backwards. You would think, right? Uh, I mean, that was their most complete game of the year. And, you know, maybe, again, I know he's not high on the Broncos. But still, Denver was at home. The Eagles haven't beaten Denver at home in Denver since 1989. In fact, two, the, the I'll say this, the three last times the Eagles went to Denver are probably the three worst games I've ever watched that team play. Bobby Brister and Denver scoring 28 points in the first quarter against a bad Eagles team. The T.O. debacle. Uh, that was his last game, the Eagles, in 05. And then Peyton Manning just absolutely torching Billy Davis's defense in 2013. That's an impressive win for the Eagles when considering their history in Denver. The I, I know I asked you about this on Monday. I need you to, to reconfirm your spot. Nothing has changed since. We may get a little bit change in the situation today if the Eagles do activate Miles Sanders for uh, practice today. How do you think Nick Sirianni, A, should deploy his backs this week against the Saints, B, will deploy his backs against the Saints this week if they're two different things, explain the difference. So, to me, Miles Sanders should be running back one. He should be RB1, bottom line. Um, He's your best running back. He's your home run hitter. I want Miles Sanders to kind of change his game a bit. Take the three-yard run. Take the five-yard run because I think that helps him. Two, I would go Jordan Howard. I would have him be kind of the thunder lightning thing. You know, Jordan Howard's the thunder. Miles Sanders is the lightning. You know, you mix them up. You get a you get a little bit of dose of Boston Scott in there. You put in Kenny Gainwell for some pass reps. Boston Scott's obviously touches will go down because Miles Sanders is back. But I think you can find a way to have a three-headed monster with those guys. I really do. And you preserve Miles Sanders. Jordan Howard, I don't worry about preserving. Boston Scott, I don't worry about preserving. But you'll have those three for the stretch run. And you got to remember, Jody, when before Miles Sanders got hurt, he was doing a pretty good job of kind of running between the tackles, and they were kind of feeding him the football in that Raiders game. And I think that's when everything kind of fell apart for them um, after he got hurt, uh, at least offensively. But I think that's the method you got to do. I think you got to use Miles Sanders and his abilities. I like to see them – make him more of a pass catcher out of the backfield, but the Eagles don't feel that way, and that's fine. I think he can make a lot of damage on the ground running the football, and in a way, Jordan Haver might be better because of it. Yeah, you you talk about him as a uh, receiving back. That's the most inexplicable thing about Miles Sanders' career to this point. Uh, I thought he was going to be very effective. I thought he was an outstanding pick when they took him in the second round because he is a a home run hitter. I did not think he was a good receiver coming out of the backfield. He just didn't do all that much of it at Penn State. And the film that hey, I watched on him yeah. didn't didn't show it. So I thought that was a question mark. Then he comes out as his great rookie year, catching the ball out of the backfield. You go, oh, yeah, the Eagles were right. He is a fool, because I remember them saying, and we like him coming out of the backfield. He's going to make plays with it. That way I shrugged my shoulders and kind of rolled my eyes. Damn, he has a great year doing it. 
And then last year he goes completely backwards and is no fa- next to no factor whatsoever. This spring, uh, I talk about him working on it every single day with the jugs gun and trying to get better. And he still dropped the ball in practice all over the place. What happened to him? Because he did have that really good rookie year as a guy coming out of the backfield. If they're going to sit Gainwell and he's the odd man out, somebody's got to be their third down back uh, out of the backfield catching guy. I would still suggest Miles is the best of the three we're talking about. Better than Boston Scott, certainly better than Jordan Howard. What happened to his pass catching ability? I, I honestly think it's all mental, Jody. Like, you, you, for example, 2019, really good pass catcher out of the backfield. And you're still hearing guys, Eagles media guys, beat writers say, he can't catch. If I was Miles Harris, I'd be like, what are you talking about? I said 50 catches for 500 yards. I'm averaging 10. What do you mean I can't catch? Carson Wentz throws these dimes to me, and I'm I'm catching everything that's coming my way. What you, oh, well, he dropped the pass in the backfield. I lost three yards. Well, yeah, most running backs do do that. Saquon Barkley does it. And, you know, that was – I think the lack of development and the lack of reps at Penn State hurt him more than anything else. Because when they were throwing the ball to running backs, and Joe Moorhead was their offense coordinator – Miles Sanders was the backup, Saquon Barkley. He was not starting. Then they switch off its coordinators. They go to um, Ricky Rane. Well, Rane didn't go to Sanders that often in the backfield. And everybody, I remember all of us events they were pushing. Guys, have Tracer Sword throw the ball to Miles Sanders. You don't have these weapons. You know, you you don't have the weapons you used to have. Chris Goblin was gone. Uh, you know, I can name names forever. But the point is that they just weren't giving him those reps he needed. And I think it. I think it's. It didn't surprise a lot of people from Penn State that he had a really good year, his rookie year, catching the ball out of the back. Surprised me. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden, it. I, I I just don't know. It might have been the mental block. Maybe you know people are criticizing because you said it yourself. I mean, I know it. Miles Sanders on social media a lot. I'm sure he hears Eagles people are saying, "Well, he can't do this right, or he's not in the right spot, or he's not this." He's not. and that might be it. What McMullen said, he's just not in the right spot all the time, and. I think that's what hurts him more than helps him. And I think last year, Miles Sanders went for the home run a little too much. It, it ended up working out for him in terms of yards per carry and stuff. But he wasn't as consistent in 2020 as he was in 2019. I think he's still trying to get used to this Nick Sirianni offense. So maybe when he comes back now, he's a little bit healthier and he has a better understanding of the playbook. He might be better off. And we're talking a lot about Miles Sanders, who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield for the Eagles the guy who may have a bigger impact on the game than any Eagle back might very well be Alvin Kamara because you talk about the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He might be the best in the entire national football league. Don't know if he's going to go yet. Knee contusion, no word yet on his availability did not play last week. If they get him back, that could be a major addition for the uh, Saints. Something we can't, we just need to speculate at this time. We won't know till Sunday comes around. But that's what we do here on Bird 365, a healthy dose of speculation. Both Jeff Kerr and I will continue to do that. We hope to be joined by Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Board. He's scheduled to join us next right here on Bird 365.
Riverside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 member, love tradition. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. You got me, Jody Mack, with Jeff Kerr here on Birds 365. We are joined by the lead writer for one of the most popular sports websites here in town, CrossingBoard.com. I go there every single day, and I think most of our viewers do as well. Kevin Kincaid joins us here on Birds 365. How are the little ones, Kincaid? They're doing great, thanks. One is at the nanny right now, and the other is asleep. So um, we're enjoying the solitude for as long as it'll last right now uh, I'll, I'll try not to yell even though i've kind of yelled a couple times oh no you're good she's in another room right now oh, so it's all good i yeah. can scream my head off <laughs> I, well i don't think i'll have to give you uh grief for disrespecting uh don mikowski the way that john mcmullen did earlier but uh <laughs> in case you missed it, it feel free to go back and watch it i uh, kk one of the reasons why we love having you on and one of the reasons why i love your website is I think you've got a grasp on the fans here in Philadelphia. I think you write for the fans and you understand the fans quite well. Where do you think this fan base is with this team right now? Four and six, improving but not star quarterback, looking a little bit smarter than he did three weeks ago as a head coach. Where do you think the fan base is with the Eagles right now? I think the fan base right now is kind of thinking that they have something that they can work with. Okay, four and six isn't horrible considering what uh we thought this team was going to be coming into the year you know if i told you guys through 10 games that with a uh first year head coach first year defensive coordinator first year of uh, 
you know, quarterback playing his first full year as a starter, year, right. that this is where they would be. If I told you four and six through 10 games in the summer, uh, I think all three of us would kind of look at each other and say, all right, you know, okay. it's pr- probably like what it is. You know, if you, if you, if you were one of those people who was able to say, this is a fact finding mission. It's a transitional year. We're trying to learn as much as we can. We don't expect the playoffs. If we can sneak into that last wild card spot, great, but nobody's expecting anything like that. I think it's fine. You know, I think you've seen steady improvement, Jody, you know, Nick Sirianni's called three good games in a row. Uh, the defense played really well in Denver. Jalen hurts made what I thought was one of his best throws. Well, two best throws of the, of the season in that third and 11 completion to Dallas Goddard. And then the bomb that he threw to Quez Watkins, which was dropped. And he's showing some flashes of, of addressing deficiencies that we had identified coming into the season. So if you're, if you're Positadelphia and you're able to go glass half full, there's enough that you can, uh, that you can focus on based on what we've seen these last couple of weeks. Yeah, Kevin, I, I've noticed too, uh, just based on my Twitter account, it's you're getting a lot more positive vibes toward Jalen Hurts than say maybe two, three weeks ago. And I still get the negative ones that say, well, it's garbage time. Well, yeah. it, it turns out they're they're proven wrong on that stat. Like, how are Eagles fans grasping Jalen Hurts right now? I think they're they're looking for I, I think they're correctly kind of compartmentalizing what he is and what he needs to be. And I think everybody knew coming into the season, he was a guy who could scramble, extend plays, use his legs, get out and run QB powers with lead blockers and stuff like that. That was all evident on the Alabama tape and the Oklahoma tape. Um, I think what he's doing now that's that's better and what people said that he needed to do stuff that was identified on scouting reports and every draft report that was written up by anybody who does anything with the draft was, can he scan the field? Can he, go through his progressions can he step up into the pocket or is he going to vacate you know he's been showing little glimpses of that here and there there's not a there's not a ton i couldn't do an entire story with like 10 video clips showing you of him stepping into the pocket and going through reads but i got enough to do like three video clips of that right so there's like a start you know there's something to build off of here and if you're saying hey this is what we needed to he needed to do this was his biggest thing that he needed to do to prove that he's an nfl nfl qb1 of the future then that's it you know and i think where i am with Jalen right now, if I had to like sum it up into like one sentence that you write at the top of the, the the thesis before you turn it into your professor, it's like, I don't know if Jalen hurts can win you a game with his arm, but I think the Eagles can win with Jalen hurts. You know, so that's kind of where I see it right now. One of the things that I liked about Nick Sirianni from the day that he was hired, and it was kind of tough that first press conference to uh, pick out the optimistic sides of it. But he did say that I'm going to be an open-minded head coach, that I'm not going to try and put the square peg in the round hole, that I'm going to coach to the strengths of my team. Well, he did that with Jalen Hurts, and he mm-hmm. went heavy RPOs at the beginning of the season. Where he showed his flexibility to me was he got away from it. He didn't kept saying that, well, I know what I think of Jalen, and this is what's going to work best for him. No, they moved to a run-heavy offense. That showed me his true flexibility and I think that's as big an attribute as a head coach can have in the national football. And isn't that one of the biggest complaints, Jody, the fans always have about coaches is that square peg round hole mentality and trying to shoehorn guys, trying to take guys and fit them into your scheme yep. versus taking what you have and building around it, you know? And so if anybody's looking for the biggest thing to hang their hat on and be positive about with Sirianni, it's the fact that he has adjusted. You know, when we when they beat the tar out of the Lions a couple weeks ago, there was a lot of – 
Negadelphia on Twitter, and Jeff can speak to this too. Of everybody was saying, which is, oh, it's just alliance. It doesn't matter. They're crap. They stick, you know, whatever. Right. Okay. Well, like, I'm a big believer that more than one thing can be true at the same time. Okay. So the Lions do stink. That's correct. But Nick Sirianni also showed a willingness to adapt and do something different. And coming into the Chargers game, you know, I was sitting there thinking, it doesn't matter if they lose to the Chargers. I think it was a moral victory Monday kind of takeaway because they continued to do the things that made them successful in Detroit. So now we have a continuation of that that's extending on three weeks now, maybe four if you want to go back to the beginning of the Vegas game where they came out and ran the ball with Miles Sanders before he got injured. So if all you're asking for from a coach is a willingness to evolve and adapt and play to the strengths of his team, then Nick Sirianni's doing that right now. Kevin, do you want this team to make the playoffs? Do you think it, it – I, I should go by the fan perspective here. What are the fans thinking – Right now, if I mean they're in the playoff hunt, as much as we hate to admit it, it's the you know, six and seven C in the NFC. Sort it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I it's funny you're always trying to walk a line, you know, where I, I think it's like you, you, like realistically, we know that they're not. <laughs> This team's not winning the Super Bowl, right? I I think we can all safely say that. It'll be nice for them to go on an amazing Cinderella kind of run, you know. But um, listen, if they get to if they get to nine and eight and they crash out in the frame, they get that wild card spot and they lose in the first round. It's fine. They still get you know Miami's pick. They're going to get the Carson Wentz first rounder is going to convey. And uh, they still have like a middle round natural pick. And and that that playoff experience is kind of invaluable. You know, can you can you put a price on that? You know, to get Jalen Hurts into a playoff game, get Nick Sirianni into a playoff game. You think of the momentum that you can take. I'm kind of a believer. I don't know if you guys are or not of the idea of like carrying momentum through an offseason based on what you did the year before. And if you can go to the playoffs and say, hey, look at what we did last year. And the guys are thinking differently of themselves over the summer. So uh, maybe you try to find that sweet spot, tread the line. If they can make the playoffs at nine and eight, great. But I don't think anybody expects them to do anything. So, you know, you're, you're, you're walking the tightrope there. Thank you very much for giving me a great segue here. Um, the coach that gave me the best explanation ever about carrying momentum from one year to the other was the guy who the Eagles are going up against this week, Sean Payton. I had him on after the Saints had finished strong one year, didn't make the playoffs, but won a bunch of games at the end of the year. And I asked them, stated it just the way you did, carrying momentum from one year to another. Can you actually do that? And he directly entered me and goes, no. I said, really? Not at all? He goes, no, here, Jody, here's how it has to happen. If you finish strong and you can carry that into your offseason program, and you can get all the guys show up and you get the work done and you know what you want to accomplish and you get all, and then you carry that into your camp and you know what you want to get done in camp and you add the right guys and you've got the right players and you made the right draft picks and the free agent did. Then you carry that into your preseason games and you get a little taste of it. Then yeah. you can carry it into week one. But he goes week 17 in one season to week one of next year. No, there's no. a whole bunch of that's happening in between. And if all that happens, yes, you can go from one to the other. And I thought it was one of the best explanations I, I had ever heard. Um, and so that's the guy they're facing this week. It does give me pause. Can Nick Sirianni be outcoached this week? Can he be outcoached? Uh, sure. But, uh, you know, if he calls the game that he has been calling the last couple of weeks, then um offensively from a from a scheming and from a play calling standpoint i think he's he controls that in a vacuum now if you're talking about game situations is he gonna maybe you know if there's a tricky fourth down and plus territory or something like that sure i still think he has a, has a ways to go there and 
I, I think the thing, Jody, that like people probably need to focus more on or haven't talked about enough with Nick Sirianni this year is not only is he is he learning how to be a play caller for the first time, he's learning how to be a head coach for the first time. This guy's taking on so he's taking on so much, you know, and to not have like a uh, you know a veteran. And I think most of these guys come in and they're like a first year coach or whoever. They hire like a dude who's been in the league for fifteen years. You know, these guys are all young and they're all new. So for him to take all that on at the same time, I think he. He certainly uh, needs to learn that part of the game for sure, the game management. So to answer your your question, I would say yes. Yeah. So, Kevin, uh, back to Jalen Hurts a little bit. Now, I, I feel like the fan base, it's they're not selling him as a franchise quarterback, obviously. Like you said, it's kind of, they're kind of taking it one week at a time. But are they starting to come around to he might be the quarterback next year? I think they are, and I think they want him to be. Like, I hate to use this cliche, but um, it's true. Cliches are also true, and stereotypes are also true. But when you talk about guys who are, quote, unquote, easy to root for, like, yeah, Jalen Hurts. Like, you want to see him win. You know, he's got all the intangibles. He's got the heart. Um, he's got the mindset, the mentality, um, you know, the guts to to take the ball and run and do a front flip over a dude for a first down, you know? Like, this, you know, uh, Teddy Bridgewater ain't doing that. Right. So, nor is he trying to make a tackle when a guy's right next to him. So, um, I think that they're hoping that I think they're leaning to that, but you know, everybody, the criticism has always been like, look, is Jalen hurts arm good enough to win in the NFL? Right. That's kind of like one, a one B is then you ask yourself, and this is where I'm at trying to answer this question. Does, do you have to be X kind of thrower to be successful? Can they do some kind of Lamar Jackson, replication here in Philadelphia where he doesn't have to throw the ball more than 30 times a game. Can you, can, can you successfully run consistently in a throwing league? You know, that's kind of where I'm at. To me, it's more of a philosophical thing. I don't think Jalen hurts is ever going to be, uh, you know, Matt Stafford or whatever, but he can, he can, they're winning games by running the ball and letting him extend plays and use his legs too. So it's more of a philosophical macro kind of question for me than anything individual at this point. Speaking of philosophical, and we've given Nick Sirianni some pretty good credit here today, last couple of days here on Birds 365, because uh, he's earned it. He's got a little bit of a test to pass this week. Miles Sanders coming back. He announced before he was ever eligible to play that he was good to play and he's coming back. He was the Eagles' number one back. He wasn't doing badly before he got hurt. It's just the guys who have stepped in for him did a little bit better than he had up until this point. So now you got three backs into one role. You can do two into one. Can you do three into one? Does Kenny Gainwell become the odd man out? Uh, the test of how he's going to deploy his backs might be the biggest te test that Nick Sirianni has had to this point this season. How would you handle it, KK? How do you think Coach Sirianni will? How would I handle it? I give you the three-headed monster, man. Ground and pound, baby. Okay. Three yards in a cloud of dike. I'd run the ball 24 times. I'd give Jordan Howard eight carries. I'd give Boston Scott eight carries. I'd give Miles Sanders eight carries as well. You know, because think, look, I mean, you're, you're running, how many offensive plays are you running in a game? Like, like somewhere from like, um, 50, I think the average is like 58 to like 70. You know, Carson Wentz is playing like an average. The reason I know that off the top of my head is because we're doing the Carson Wentz snap count tracker yeah. and he's playing like 64 snaps a week, right? So you can run the ball, you know, 
35 times and still pass it 25 times. You know, I think there's enough if they wanted to do that. The problem is when they get into their uh, – they're, they're called passing plays where Jalen ends up taking it with his feet. You know, if I had to give you a different kind of answer though, I would definitely probably give you Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. I think if you're looking for redundancy and skill set, I think Boston Scott runs a little bit more like Miles Sanders, while Jordan Howard's more of the north south guy. But Boston hits the hole hard, man. You know, I think yeah. Miles Sanders is, is dancing. He wants to stretch to the outside. Like, there's part of me who could justify the argument that you, if it ain't broke, don't fix it and just let Miles Sanders be RB3 for this one and see what happens. Um, obviously, Kevin Howard Roseman gets a lot of criticism, uh, you know, on this stream, on pretty much any platform imaginable. But you have to kind of give him credit for these first two draft picks, right? Devonta Smith's been good and Landon Dickerson has been good. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, and um, there was a play. Okay. So it was the Devonte Smith, the first touchdown uh, from the first touchdown that he caught the other day. There were five, one, two, three, four, five. I think there were five Alabama guys involved in that play. Okay. It was an Alabama quarterback being protected by an Alabama guard throwing to an Alabama receiver who was covered by an Alabama cornerback with an Alabama safety of 10 years ago running into the play, right? So, I mean, it was just what we were talking about over the summer, Jody. I think like the last time, like not last time, but two times ago when I came on with you guys, it was like, like, just keep it obvious, draft from the SEC, draft the best guys that are there. Like, do not go to see Pittsburgh versus UNC. We don't need Kenny Pickett in the Sam Howell game. Like, seriously, let's just, like, keep it simple. Draft from the best conference, and uh, and good things will happen. So I think with Howie, you know, sometimes it's like the criticism, I think, has always been, like, they, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And sometimes uh, sometimes less is more. All right. Uh, Got to ask this question about this game at home this week. Eagles are all in four at home. Now, They've been an underdog in all four games. If you believe that Vegas knows what they're talking about, they weren't supposed to win any of them. And, oh, by the way, they didn't. Uh, some, of them, some of them competitive could have won San Francisco. Uh, others not as competitive, even though the score may look like that. Tampa could have stuck it in the end zone one more time to get make it a two-score game. They chose not to. Um, if they struggle early here in the first quarter on Sunday, will we get boo birds? at Lincoln Financial. Well, real quick, my favorite statistic of the season is that the Eagles and Temple have two wins combined at Lincoln Financial Field, and it's against the Wagner Seahawks and the Memphis Tigers. So I don't know exactly what's going on with that. I'm not shocked by Temple, by the way. No, no, exactly. Nobody's really uh, defending the home fortress, as they say, right? Um, But to answer the question, uh, yes, I think you'll get boo birds. And it seems weird to think that like a four and six team would have any kind of expectations, but based on the way that they've looked the last couple of weeks, which is an improving team um, that has a winnable game at home. I don't think it's out of the realm of, of possibility that fans would grumble if they can't, you know, get off the schneid at home. Like they, they should win a damn home game, you know, like if they were two and two at home and they were five and five on the season, whatever. But um, now that you've shown something like, yes, the expectations exponentially increase from thing to thing to thing. It's like a, it's like a continuous linear kind of thing. Like you were saying, Jody, with, Sean Payton talking about offseason momentum. No, you're not going to play in week 17, the way, in week one, the way you played in week 17 last year. But it's like incrementally one thing at a time leads to the next thing, leads to the next thing. And yep. if you're following that sequentially, 
then then yeah, they should expect a good performance in a home win against the Saints. Why not? So this brings up my next point, Kevin. Obviously, they don't have a home game for uh, after this for I, I think it's a month because you go to New York twice, you have the bye week, then you come home. But do you think them the lack of travel? I, I don't think they go anywhere the rest of the year. If if I stand corrected, how much do you think that helps them? Yeah, they they don't they don't get on a plane for the. Uh, I don't think they do. I yeah, right. That's that was the. I mean, people were pointing that out when we were doing our win loss predictions when the schedule came out. You know, it's like, oh, they don't go on a plane from from like week ten to week seventeen or something. Um, that's certainly helpful. You know, I mean, I think that, I think like, uh, you know, you know, those East Coast road trips. Like, if you're flying down to Florida or something like that, it's not a big deal. You know, and sports science has advanced so far that like these teams know exactly when to travel, exactly when to get in. You know, the perfect way to maximize sleep schedule and you know as nick sirianni would say they're attacking rest right you know so they got all that stuff figured out but yeah i mean the fact that they don't have to leave the the eastern seaboard i guess for the uh for the rest of the the season bodes well for them but it also it also shows like the the different kind of pressure you're gonna have to show that you can win at home you know now you're gonna have these division games like everybody's saying well you know maybe they sweep the giants maybe they sweep the reds because the division games aren't easy like those teams know each other like it's the, the stakes are always high that's why I didn't like when Carson won those four games in a row a couple of years ago. People kind of poo-pooed that because, like, all those teams stink. Well, they're still division rivals. Like, there's there's still games that are harder. So, um, I don't remember what the question was at all, but uh, I will uh, toss it back to you on that. <laughs> it, it was pretty much a momentum thing, you know. Like, yeah. they, they all have to go. I pretty much went on a tangent too. Like, they all have to go on a plane. Then I was like, wait a minute, they don't go on a plane. I think the the only thing they do is I I, I think they go on a train for yeah. Like, well, it's one less. It's one less excuse that somebody could make for us. Say, well, you don't have to fly to the West Coast. You don't got to play Vegas in Vegas. You don't got to go out to L.A. or any of that. So it's another thing to say that, like, hey, like eight or nine or nine or eight is not out of the question. Like you, you, I'm, I'm kind of like a. You have two different philosophies here. You can be a guy who sets like a goal at the beginning of the year and it's hard and fast, and you don't move it, or you can keep moving the goalposts as the season progresses and say, okay, this team is different now than they were in week one. So if you're if you're one of those goalpost mover ladder philosopher kind of people. You could say, yeah, the expectations are different now, and they should win some of these games. All right, KK, I'll uh, borrow the phrase you just used that Nick Sirianni uses all the time, attacking, when in doubt, attack everything. Yeah. Except for the defensive coordinator who doesn't buy into that. He plays his own defense. He's not going to get gassed. He's going to keep everything in front of him. They had a superior defensive effort this week. I give more credit to the players than the D.C., I think they upped their game, specifically the four guys on the defensive line, got pressure without adding a blitzer. Darius Slay makes this huge play, game-turning play, just being Johnny on the spot, but then being the athlete that he is to be able to do it. I still would like to see the Eagles be more aggressive on defense. Are the Saints a good team to do that against? I would think so, you know, because, uh, listen uh, – Drew Brees ain't back there anymore. Yeah, so be, be uh, careful with Trevor Simeon. I'm a Trevor <laughs> defender. He threw for almost 300 he's, he's last week against the Titan defense. I know. I, I was going to ask you if we had time at the end about your guy Geno Smith too. I thought I might, might throw that in there and see if you were a, a, a Geno if you had converted no, no, to a no, Geno no, guy. No, 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 no. <laughs> never, <laughs> ever, 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 ever. <laughs> hey, listen. Um, yeah, I, I to answer the question. Yeah, they do have to be more aggressive, and you want to see if, if Nick Sirianni is capable of evolving and doing different things and committing to running the ball and and, and throwing different wrinkles out there too. They 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 scored a touchdown on a max protect on Sunday. They moved the pocket. Um, 
by design a couple times as well. They're they're doing more than just running the ball. The the passing game has evolved at the same time. If Nick Sirianni can do that, Jonathan Gannon can do that. Okay, oh, like, yeah. and I I don't I don't really buy the idea. Like when he's it was infuriating when he came out like whatever a month and a half ago was and says you know we're not a dime team right now. You know, okay, well guess what? You're also not a nickel team. And you're not a base team because the personnel just is what it is, right? So you can either like die by a thousand cuts just doing the same thing over and over again. You can at least try throwing like a Avante Maddox, Marcus Epps, like six DBs out there and just see what the hell happens. You know, like at least if you're going to go down in flames, like do it, making sure you've exhausted all your options and trying the different things. And I think that's what's infuriating about it is just like, you know, this, this, this stubbornness to say, and he has mixed it up a little like the game, the Chargers game. He did mix it up and throw some different looks out there. But in terms of talking about pressure, strictly pressure, um, then, yeah, you have to give the front four help because you can't expect those guys to just like be able to generate pressure naturally as a four man rush every single time out there. Kevin, I kind of wanted to go general Philly sports right now. Obviously, we know what I, I feel like the hype around the Eagles is higher but maybe that's because Sixers don't draw and be right now because of COVID. Flyers it's early. College baseball is just starting. F- baseball's over. Like do you feel like this is just that time of year where fans just need something to grasp onto and the Eagles are the, the main game in town? Yeah, for sure. I mean there's always fluctuations like that. You know, I, I remember you know, when I was doing the union beat back in the day, I'd always say to those guys like the coaches and the players and stuff, I'm like, hey the other team the four for four teams stink right now. Like this is your window. Yeah, there you, you know, go. If you, if you want to like grab anything, like like go do it and like win games. Yeah, on Saturday you know? too. They they got their opportunity on this weekend. Yeah, they have a playoff game on Saturday. So I think these things are all like cyclical, you know. And I think when one team's up, another team's down for sure. Um, you know, and I think that's that's certainly. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys. Like I've I've worked in, you've worked in Philly media longer than I have, or as long as I have, and like the Eagles pay the bills for all of us. You know, you can yeah. always get people. You can always get people to read the Eagles. However website traffic at crossingbroad.com was much better yesterday and the day before than it was last week. Right. So I think there's certainly the ebbs and flows for the other teams. Maybe they go like this. Okay. But for the Eagles, it's more of like a, you know, an oscillating kind of thing, you know, where people are ready to, I I don't think anybody's ever fully off the bandwagon. You know, there's always one leg that's kind of dangling out there and then they rip off a couple wins. It's like, all right, we're believers again. So it's good to see, you know, because, because Philly, the Philly sports scene is better when the Eagles are good. Um, you know, you could say that about any of the teams for sure, but I think it's more concentrated on the on the football team in town. All right. I'm glad you brought it back to football, not the other football, soccer, you two soccer. I'll get teams. you I'll get you on board one of these days, Jody. Never, I'll take you down to a game. Never gonna yeah, happen. Kevin, don't even bother. Save your time, save your breath. It's never gonna and now I, I defend myself all the time. I'm not a soccer hater. Most right. people either have to be tremendous soccer fans and it's the most underrated sport on the planet blah, blah, blah. and what the i hate soccer god the, the soccer yeah. moms are the worst thing on the face yeah i don't care i don't care about soccer i'm not yeah, gonna about it but i don't care and i'm never going to care but and that's, that's okay that's we would we would claim progress with that just to have people not actively yeah. hating our sport yeah, anymore no, i i don't hate soccer i no, don't but hate listen, soccer i don't care about soccer you, you, you have the same soccer. you have the same attitude as glenn mack now so one of these days i'll get both of you guys down to the stadium i'll buy glenn a couple of nasty ipas oh by and, the way uh, that's we'll, we'll... that's 100 false mack <laughs> mack now hates soccer i i don't hate it mack now yeah, hates yeah. it i i know that i sat in yeah, you for seven years. mack and, and Mac now into a room, Mac and Mac 
watching <laughs> soccer and F1 on, a, on Sunday morning. We would That's have to like, dial. We we'll would have do, to dial up like we'll a do the IP thing, but it's got to be some an odd couple reruns. Well, we would have to do it, do it like a games. like a Peyton and Eli thing, and we put you guys side by side watching the soccer game. We'd get your reaction to it. Yeah. They'd be like, "Wait, that you get taken out the field for that? That that's a normal tackle." Could could be a decent YouTube show. All right, uh, last thing, KK, and again, thank you very much for coming on. Glad My the pleasure. little one stayed asleep. Um, your comment section on your website is some of the most fun reading I do. And I know you've got to stay on top of it. It's kind of your job, but I think you choose to do it anyway. Do you actually read them while the game is playing? Do you wait till the game is over? And then minutes after the game, you get on there. Do you want to give it a good couple hours to percolate and let them build up? Do you wait till Monday? When is the first time when the Eagles kick it off? Uh, till the first time you go to the comment section of your website. So believe it or not, we actually got rid of the comment section entirely. Um, so now the angry responses come strictly via Facebook. And okay, uh, Facebook. a lot there of, a lot of people have, have, tra- <laughs> a lot of people have trans uh, transferred over there as I'm sure um, uh, you can imagine. But uh, I try to uh, not, I try to not read them at all. However, at all however here's the thing like readers are good about like pointing out um hey like there's a typo here or there's a whatever or something like that usually they'll say it in a very mean way like you guys suck you can't even like you know you don't even have an editor or or whatever you know but at the regardless i get to change, change the thing that's wrong in the, in the in the whatever so um i'm trying to kind of detox off of that a little bit but i reluctantly kind of uh have to be the gatekeeper of the comments to make sure everybody's like keeping it uh at least somewhat civil but uh yeah we got rid of the the site comments a while back so now all the anger and uh misinformation now takes place on facebook right, so you- do people still mistake you for kyle or do they know that kyle just basically is not the day-to-day operation that i there that went on for a while but um i think people have it straight now the thing is that people don't realize that we do a lot of satire and like sardonic kind of like sarcastic kind of things so people think we're being serious about a lot of stuff like when i say Eagles legend Jason Babin. Like, I'm being very sarcastic, you know, but some That's people. Like some people... About it. <laughs> so, I think like, we got to do a disclaimer, maybe just to remind everybody like, hey, we're not a journalism website. We do journalism occasionally, but like, you know, we're a sports blog. We like to have fun. We like to keep it light. We do a lot of like sarcastic and uh, satirical kind of stuff. So, just a reminder, you know, maybe we'll paste that at the top of the website and never let it leave, you know? Well, I thought you were all over the most important story of all of Philadelphia sports this week the win by the Phillies or the agreement by the Phillies to get the honest and true fanatic back in his cut. Who frigging cares? Oh I, my God. Well, my favorite shoot thing me. was, please shoot my me. Favorite if I thing need was, to um, another fanatic uh, article. My favorite thing was uh, the creators, uh, Bonnie and Wade, whatever their names are, whatever they said. Well, we're really uh, enthusiastic about the, the fanatic being able to continue for the fans and all that stuff. They're enthusiastic because they got a fat wad of cash out of this thing. That's what oh, they're enthusiastic about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, they, Kevin. So I, I got to add this one on too. How much did Crossing Broad's traffic go up when the whole – they're wearing black pants for the first time with their white jerseys. I, I went nuts when they did that. People love that stuff. I mean – I know, do too. People – and I don't I don't really get it because I'm partially colorblind, so I can't see what they're wearing anyway. <laughs> to, to me, it looked like they were wearing white on white on green the other night. But people love that stuff. You do those kinds of stories, um, the Sixers, City Edition, uniforms, things like that. Fans love that stuff. Even if I just typed – if I did a story where I just wrote Kelly Green as the headline and, and wrote crap, 
in the story itself, like it would probably get like a thousand clicks, you know, because I fans just just love that stuff. I, I you know, uniform combinations, colors, gr graphics, images, and stuff like that. Maybe we, the grumpy media, don't really get that so much, but the fans seem to love it. So that's an automatic yeah. like. Yeah. So Kevin, I, I'm the worst person in the world. I'm the one guy who can probably tell you when the Eagles wore green on green, what their '96 jerseys looked like the first year they went to midnight green, and how they changed. I, they should just call me the the modern day Paul Lucas. <laughs> they should yeah and they should take uh they should uh ask for the opinions of the grumpy media and then maybe do the exact opposite of what we give them because that probably works for the fans it reminds me of when chris heck said uh I, you know i hate the black uniforms but then he reluctantly did the black uniforms anyway because all the sixers fans wanted them anyway he, he we didn't did the black uniforms they didn't do the ones we wanted i know we didn't get the matt geiger black uniforms yeah, we got the yeah, new yeah, philadelphia yeah, boathouse yeah. row but you know you can't you can't win everything right no. all right Kincaid, your job, and if you choose to accept it and you don't really have a choice, is to come up with a Kelly Green um, fanatic, somehow mix gritty in there while you're at it, article <laughs> over the next 24 hours and see if you get 10,000 clicks on that. I'll just drop that on the website in the morning and we'll call it a day, and that'll be my one. And uh, we'll have, enough, we'll right. have enough, tr enough traffic to ride it out for the rest <laughs> of the well, On a slow day in June. Just right. Kelly Green, Kelly Green, Kelly Green, Kelly Green, Kelly yeah. Green. Oh, and then put at the bottom. By the way, the Eagles cannot debut Kelly Green to 2023 because Jeffrey Laurie and the brass are morons. And then I'll get in my car and I'll drive to the Poconos and go hiking and know that the website's doing just fine without me. There you go. Uh, we appreciate you coming on with us today. Thank you much, uh, bud. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll get you back in a couple of weeks. My pleasure, gentlemen. Anytime. Kevin Kincaid, Crossing Broad, uh, a little behind-the-scenes stuff there. Uh, there are topics of sports that Philadelphia fans, at least for my estimation, get a little too vexed and or juiced by. But, hey, to each his own. Uh, we've got only a couple of minutes left here on Birds 365. You need to come back as we put a bow on the show. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride 
who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 member, love tradition. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. on some off issues, which were fun. They always are whenever Kevin comes on. Uh, but let me finish it up with this quiz for you, Jeff Carr. All right? Mr. Uniforms are more important than people actually think. I- I'm going to generate a uniform-driven question to you to analyze the Eagles going forward. Five years after the given player is retired, and I will give you four players, Will you be able to go to an Eagles game and see one of their jerseys in the crowd? They're just walking through the stadium. Oh, look, it's a uh, blank jersey. Well, you're Brian Dawkins. No one's shocked when they see a Brian Dawkins five years after he's retired that somebody's still wearing his jersey. I'm going to give you four guys. You tell me if on a given Sunday you got a chance to see one. I'm not talking about multiple. I'm just, just one jersey with this name on the back. Will you see... A Watkins jersey, Quez jersey on someone five years after he's retired. I didn't even know they sold them, so no. Well, they sell every single one of them. I, you can get a Quez jersey if you want it. TJ Edwards jersey, five years after he's done. I think he'll be on the team, but no. Mm. Okay. No, well, no, this is after he's retired. Oh, oh okay. He's after, done. No, he's no, had no, the no, career no, that he's no. had. I'm asking you to evaluate where Quez's career is going. It could go in the toilet. He could be done at the end of this year, or he could become a major contributor for the Eagles. So you got to factor this in. This is five years after the player is done. Will they still be wearing a Quez Watkins jersey at Lincoln Financial Field? No, no. Okay. T.J. Edwards? No. Avante Maddox? Yes. Oh, okay. And, and it, last one. some good guys around. So last one, the guy who may actually be inactive and joining Jeff Kerr in the press box, uh, Kenny Gainwell. No, <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, he I, is the, I'm like, Jerry, before we put the ball on the show, I got to put out pet peeve. You know, okay. the Eagles sell midnight green Randall Cunningham and Jerome Brown jerseys. And it drives me insane. They never wore a midnight green Jersey ever. Oh no. I'm sorry. I lied. Randall Cunningham wore one. The day he signed the one-day contract and retired and walked out of the mm. bed. And I was furious over it. But no, they are Kelly Green. Please stick to Kelly Green if you're going to sell those jerseys. Come on. It's merch. Merch. There are no Who rules with that? merch. He's never worn midnight. You should, you should know that. There are new, no rules with merchandise. I you should can... know that. By the way, if the Eagles don't go back to Kelly Green soon, I'm going to lose it. Because I am that guy. Or at least do the black jersey green pants combo. Go green on green. Please, please, Jalen Hurts, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. You already got him to change it once. Do it again. 
right. We shall see yeah, what kind of impact Jalen Hurts has on the uniform. I'm kind of more worried about the impact he has on the field, quarterbacking the team, but that's just. But that's a good sign. That's a good sign he's getting in the convince. That means he's QB1. JK, good stuff. Always a pleasure, buddy. Uh, we'll get you up again next week, probably on COVID Wednesday. Yep, sounds good. I'll be here. Our pleasure. Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports. Filling in for John McMullen when we need him. I don't think we'll need him tomorrow because he'll be back. Uh, we'll do the Mac and Mac thing with you the Thursday leading into the Saints and Eagles. Be here for Birds 365 in 22 hours. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.